so you want to be a snowman, or whatever the fucking song oh. is. I don't There's know any fat. songs from Frozen. There's a fat cat trap under my chair. That doesn't sound like one I remember. <laughs> <laughs> it was a popular one, so that sounds like a you problem. Well, I'm not a little girl. Only on, on the, the inside. I was about to say, not on the outside. <laughs> <laughs> on the inside, I stay a little girl. God damn it. So yeah, I got accosted by fucking homeless people. Did I tell you that? No. I got yelled at a bunch today. We uh, had homeless crazy people. Not that those things are synonymous. Not all crazies are homeless. Not all homeless are crazy. Why are you but being prejudiced? I'm not. Um, I just clarified. <laughs> but they sat out in the parking lot. And it was like they were waiting on us to come outside. Luckily, they drove away before it was time to leave. But we were watching them for like 45 minutes going, Are we going to have to fight a gang of homeless people? <laughs> Waiting to like ask you for money or no 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 they were trying to get a dog out oh. of the shelter but uh they're not yeah anyway that was a strong open welcome to the nightmare box presenting mistakes were made my name is Brett Blue I'm sitting across from the beautiful the effervescent the apparently very bored Kristen Bloom <laughs> I'm not bored I'm tired <laughs> it's been such a long week it's been terrible guys it's been just non-stop at work so i'm gonna attempt to muster the energy as the beer soaks into my veins that's it's a good move <laughs> this is a professional podcast um and we're bringing you yet another edition of the two 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 stop 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 tuesday this week we're going over 2013's Dark Skies. You like how I wrote it real big next to it so Thank you can you. see it? Thank <laughs> you. Yeah, you see? See how smooth it was going there for about three seconds? Two minutes in, we're going hard. 2013's Dark Skies. Uh, IMDb gave it a 6.3, which is technically... Um, a little out of range. A little out of range, but we go by the critic score for Rotten Tomatoes when we do these, so... The critics on unless that one's too high and the IMDb score is too low, it's kind of a you know whatever score like suits a, my yeah, a sliding pay preference. scale type thing. <laughs> whatever score suits my motives. Um, so the Rotten Tomato critic score is forty one percent. The audience gave it a forty nine percent. So definitely not our worst two star no. we've ever done. Arguably my favorite of the two stars. Yeah. Since the clown movie. Oh god. <laughs> uh, well, that one we did were. The two twins were living in the house together. I can't remember the name of it offhand. It was really good, too. The one we did recently? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but I feel like I like this one better, to mm -hmm. be honest. Uh, ironically, goes against what we normally um, rage against on our two stars. This was yeah. both written and directed by Scott Stewart. Good job, Scott Stewart. Who, <laughs> I, if I'm remembering right, I didn't write anything down. Hadn't really done anything that I was familiar with, and I'm f like... I feel like I remember his IMDb not really having a huge list of stuff credited, mm -hmm. so uh, I'm impressed, to say the least. <laughs> yeah, I was pretty impressed with it, because normally, you know, as it goes uh, with these sort of things, if you have a sole writer, sole director, we've seen it work where, like, the director's written it with somebody, or directed it, or the writer's directed it with somebody, but it very rarely plays out well, you know, when we go to watch these. And, of course, it might just be because they are such low-rated films that this is when it truly tanks, because, like, Quentin Tarantino can write and direct everything Tarantino wants to write and direct. But when they wind up on this show, uh, you fucked up. <laughs> you got egotistical. But not, not Scott Stewart. Yeah. I almost uh, called him John Stewart. 
props to him. <laughs> and I read on the, I feel like the trivia of the IMDb page, he banged out the script and like, it was something crazy, like six weeks or something. Like Damn. He, he got done with it real quick. Yep, some of them hit you, and maybe that's why it, it works so well. It just caught his ass, and it was like, I've got this entire thing. No. Yeah, so I, it may not have been exactly six weeks, but I, I remember it being something extremely quick, yeah. so kind of wild. Um, distributed by Dimension Films, our mm-hmm. uh, lovely, lovely Weinstein brothers. <laughs> um, Whatever happened to that old Harvey guy? <laughs> Discovered a fun fact today, or not today, uh, was it this past weekend when we were watching um, Halloween? We finally got around to yeah. watching the new one. Um, it is, in fact, Blumhouse, not Blumhouse. <laughs> uh, his name is Jason Blum, and we've yeah. been mispronouncing it this whole time. So, my bad guys, uh, Blumhouse Productions did this one, which yeah. uh, they have done all the horror movies they did. Jesus, was it a paranormal activity mm-hmm. or yeah, that insidious? They they've done all the things ever. Um, so my bad on mispronouncing that this <laughs> time because we've talked about them a ton, and uh, Brett and I have actually joked about the fact that his uh, ancestors were Blums instead of Blooms, yeah, <laughs> and we the, just assumed it was pronounced Blumhouse. The anyway. old German Jews that came over here in like the 1700s, they, they came over as Blums, which was iron workers. I, I went off on it probably last episode. <laughs> Uh, a budget of $3.5 million, which is not anything to turn your nose up at. Uh, box office of $26.4 million. Yeah, I don't think Scott's worrying about shit. So, for a two-star, <laughs> it did all right. Yeah, I think he's okay for a while. <laughs> There's a ton of actors listed on this, so I'm probably going to not name all of these people, because honestly, I don't even know who some of these people were Yeah, anyway. just stick to the family for the most part. So, Carrie Russell uh, plays Lacey Barrett, who is the mother. Um, she had done quite a few things. She was not, as I assumed, Kurt Russell's daughter. Yeah. Uh, I looked her up, and I think her dad was just, like, an engineer or something like that. Had, like, a regular day job. Yeah. But I definitely... Just an engineer. Just oh, one I'm... of the smartest people. Oh, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> like I like she even kind of looked a little like Kurt Russell's daughter. So like, oh, it's definitely Kurt Russell's yeah. daughter. It is not Kurt Russell's daughter. Um, but she has done some impressive work. She was in uh, The Rise of Skywalker, and she was also in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and a whole hmm. lot of other things. Those were just the two big ones that I recognize. Is the Dawn the newer? Uh, one of the newer versions? Well, it yeah, has to be one yeah. of the, She's well, young, she's, but... Yeah, she's not I mean, old like, enough to... Like in the past, like, couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was the, if I'm remembering right, the second one that they came out with. So after. not like the 2005 one, but like uh-uh. the more recent one. I think it was like the second one they did, if I'm remembering right. Uh, Josh Hamilton plays Daniel Barrett, who is the father. He was in American Horror Story. Hell yeah. I don't know which, uh... Character? Season or character, unfortunately, (laughs) because they don't say that. They just say, like, the years, and I have not kept up with American Horror Story enough to know his face. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Dakota Goyo... Uh, this is the reason I have Brett read these normally. Dakota uh, Goyo, he <laughs> played Jesse Barrett. Bar- <sighs> Jesse Barrett. Why are we having... Uh, we <laughs> just got off names. work, guys. I'm so sorry. Again, the week is fucking falling apart. <laughs> my tongue is falling out of my mouth. I'll, I'll be drunk here in a minute. The show will be good. Just stick with us. Yeah, I'm bad with names. Uh, but Dakota Goyo, I guess, played Jesse Barrett. He's the older brother. He played young Thor in Thor. So, pretty cool. Nice. That's a prestigious role. And you got Caden Rocket as Sammy Barrett. He was the younger brother. 
He had definitely done some stuff. I didn't know any of it. Uh, hell of an actor, though. Like, he hardcore reminded me of the kid from Child's Play. Just that, like, yeah, quiet innocence about Andy. him. Yeah. So, unfortunately, I don't have anything for him, but hell of an actor. But the next one we have some shit on. J.K. Simmons as Edwin Pollard. Yeah, he was our alien expert. I 100% butchered the character's name when I was trying to explain it to Brett, <laughs> but, uh... He played J. Jonah Jameson in Spider-Man, and that is my most uh, recognized role. I will always remember him for, because I think that was probably one of the first roles as a kid I saw him in. Yeah. He uh, is probably the most accomplished actor in this whole And that's Spider-Man's editor, right? Yeah. Just so I don't yeah. piss off Fagin and his army of Faganites. Yeah, he runs Fagots. the... I, <laughs> <laughs> I love you, buddy. Spider-Man works for, but yeah, Jonah's the editor there, and yeah, uh, probably the most accomplished actor in this whole movie. He has an impressive list of work, but uh, and then for you me, got, it's Spider-Man. Then you got L.J. Benet as Kevin Ratner. He's the friend that the dad keeps lovingly calling Ratface. And Annie Thurman as Shelley Jessup. Yeah, and she's the red-headed girl that's kind of his crush in this movie. Um, yeah, and then there, there's the parents of the Jessup family and stuff like that, but I they're so little in the film. I don't really think it super matters. Yeah. Uh, synopsis. Yeah, go for it. Um, geez, where to start? So I feel like it escalates a little quickly, but the concept is basically there's this kind of average all-American, like lovey-dovey little family that starts having just these bizarre little instances that kind of innocuously come off as a. Maybe an animal broke into the house, and then it rapidly gets weird. Yeah. And turns out... Like, cups out, start getting layered up in the fucking kitchen, yeah. stacked. Cats don't do that. Yeah, and to weird <laughs> symbols. Um, and it turns out they're having alien visitors, and they have to go visit J. Jonah. Yet, yet another uh, <laughs> thing we don't do very often on the Two Star Tuesday, I don't like alien movies for the most part. And this is Because they drive favorite. me fucking batshit. And this might be my favorite two so, star, with the exception of the clown movie, whose name I can't remember right now. Stitches? Stitches. <laughs> I, keep, I kept thinking stitches? of Terrifier, and I was like, I haven't even seen Terrifier. No, I do want to watch Terrifier, though. I'm pretty sure it's rated really high. But yeah, um, yeah, uh, Brett is not a huge supernatural yeah. or fantasy or anything like that fan i like alien documentaries i like space documentaries i don't like aliens in my horror films because it's happened zero times <laughs> in documented history <laughs> the movie alien was good no it wasn't you could kill them with water they were basically the wicked witch of the west the movie alien was good no it was anyway not. <laughs> it was mel gibson in a cornfield no that's six Signs. Yeah, I'm thinking signs. of signs. No, I'm talking about Sigourney Weaver, Alien. Oh, the Alien. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. I take back everything I said about Alien a minute ago. I confused it with signs from 2004. I was thinking when you said that, I was like, I don't think you could kill them with water, but sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's how they kill yeah, them in the, signs. The but acid, no, I, saliva, yeah, No, aliens. I agree. Alien 1 and 2 are good. Yeah, it's another one of those franchises. <laughs> it's another one of those franchises that got a little away yeah, from itself. But it was the first time anything flew out of a man's chest and face hugged another person in the room. So Which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um so yeah, kudos to you, Scott, because uh Brett is not normally a fan of these type of movies. But so yeah, basically we discover an alien's visiting the family and this part's a little hokey. They basically have to come together and bond as a family right to uh defeat the alien which they clearly fail at one of them succeeds <laughs> yeah, 
but, but it, during all of this, as what well, this is why I like the movie, and it still falls in line with the synopsis. As they're being harassed by this, you know, extraterrestrial life form, um, they start having to cope with their psychological issues. And I am a sucker for a film that does a deep dive into trauma at any level because I have post-traumatic stress disorder, and I'm a writer. I look for that type of shit. And this film is literally the family falling apart, the family fucking coming back together. It's more of a family-in-distress movie than it is an alien film, because he does the brilliant job of not showing the fucking alien. And, too, I think part of what... Which will... That's actually our first topic, so I guess we'll go ahead and get into that. Um, Oh, sorry, I didn't even know. Oh, no, you're fine. Um... Part of what I really liked about this movie is we recently did, uh, I think it was called The Darkness. It was the one about the um, Indian stones that yeah, some yeah, yeah, of the... Yeah. that dog uh, shit film where they were having a cookout at the bottom of the Grand yeah, Canyon. Yeah, um, <laughs> that one. So it's a similar-ish concept. Like, they're being visited by these sinister spirits, and, like, we see this family for no reason whatsoever, constantly fighting and falling apart and can't get along and poking and picking at each other. And, like, even at the end, when you're supposed to buy that Kevin Bacon's having this bonding yeah. moment with his kid. Because like, his kid was bulimic for, like, 30 seconds and that never came back <laughs> well, no, out. At the, end when the kid was autistic and, you know, he didn't even bother to read a book on autism. Yeah, well, at the end, whenever the dad's, like, trying to sacrifice himself for his autistic kid and then... No big surprise, the autistic kid's the only one who's brave enough to put the rocks back in yeah. place. Um, like, it doesn't feel like it's an actual sacrifice or, like, a bonding moment or, like, this family's any closer. And then I think, if I'm remembering right, the movie just ends with them, like, playing in the park together. And it felt so forced. Yeah, like, and disconnected. Yeah. And, like, this movie, like, we pretty much open on showing... Um, Kind of this weird underlying tension between each character, like the dad. Like a personal tension. Yeah, personal yeah. tension, yeah. Um, like the dad has been out of work and the mom is pretty much providing for the family. Yeah. And she's still like, <laughs> why are you making so much noise over there? Um, she's still like, go you, I believe in you, we got this. And like, he's like trying to like tease her when they're in bed together by like stealing her paperwork from her. And she's yeah. like, no work on this and he's just like oh okay you know and like there's no like aggressive fighting for no reason the mom's not like you're a loser and the dad's not like you're a cunt yeah and when he gets his job back like there's a big celebration she holds off saying things Mm -hmm. but right off the bat you know even with the kids with the walkie talkies where they've got the nicknames for each other you Uh, know on the it's command control and lunar base yeah (laughs) but like we, we we establish a before the incident which is something that you learn in writing workshops or if you you know read enough or watch enough film that's good is the camera doesn't drop in and that's the start of the character's life like that's Mm -hmm. a lot of problems people have when it comes to creating a story is they want to think that just because jim got in the car jim was born in that moment nothing ever happened to jim before he got in the car now he's in the car and we're off to the races no you need to establish that there was a before an incident pre a if you will Go into your A plot where you're going to find out what the incident is, and then B, you know? And you've, you've established a depth to the character that was seamless in this film, which I loved. 
uh, because they did dive into all of these personal things, and then there were minor conflicts, but they didn't blow up for no reason to where you're throwing glasses at people and fucking freaking out. You're still trying to hold it together in what you thought was a stressful time. And then it arcs all the way out to the most stressful time. And in their most stressful time, they find a way to come together again to try to protect each other. It invariably fails. And the end of the film, we're left with a, well, the camera's leaving now, but this is still happening. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's, it's like, beautifully done on the, the arc scale like that. Yeah, like the characters are like these very complex characters. <coughs> and, um, yeah, like you said, like the... Like the boys' connection with each other, like it's done in the most adorable way because I feel like I don't have children and I read. You feel like you don't have kids? You're like, I had one once, but yeah. I I don't have kids and I was raised in a family of mostly women. There were very few men in my family, so. what? There's one. You're, no, well, you're no. dead. You're, you no. were raised with all sisters no, I mean, and your mother. My, I, I mean, even my extended family. Oh, well, okay. Like, I have, like, two boy cousins, and one of my sisters now has a son. But for the most part, even my extended family yeah. is pretty much all women. Like, my family is very heavily women. Um, so, I, I, maybe I'm being a bit biased here, but I feel like boys, young boys, probably feel a bit more of a pressure to, like grow up and be a man faster so you have this very young child character some of us the good ones do <laughs> the ones that don't are the kids that throw shit at your car and uh <laughs> well, you have this... now they work as a mechanic of two blocks away from the <laughs> high school they went to you have this very young child character who's like having these bad dreams and these kind of night terrors or whatever and he doesn't crawl into mom and dad's bedroom and he doesn't even crawl into his big brother's yeah. bed with him like they literally just talk over the walkie-talkie to each other, and he, like, huddles in his own little tent in his own room, and his big mm-hmm. brother reads to him, which is such an endearing childlike quality, but at the same time, he's trying to be the big boy and yeah. stay in his own bed and stay in his own room, so it's... Ben and I had walkie-talkies for that exact reason, so that Ben wouldn't run down to mm-hmm. mom and dad's room, so... I could talk with him if he needed me at like 2 o'clock in the morning and I didn't have to get up. And I taught that little fucker how to read. I didn't think to do it over the walkie-talkie. I was too busy jerking off. (laughs) But then his brother also like plays that role of like the older sibling kind of teasing you and like egging you on and stuff. And Mm -hmm. like he's the one who introduces this whole concept of the Sandman who's going to pluck your eyes out. But then when... The little brother's like, oh, no, like, I'm afraid. Yeah. He's like, oh, I'll keep you safe. Don't worry. It's not real. Yeah. Settle down. Like, it's just this, like, adorable... And, like, we come into it when he's mid-story, so, like, we can tell he's been doing this for a while. It's mm-hmm. just, like, this adorable, like, moment where you're like, oh, big brother's looking out, yeah. you know? And, and the then... mom comes in. It's just like, guys, again, really? Go to bed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Quit scaring the shit out of your little brother. And when the parents have the fight later in the movie, I... There's a lot of heartbreaking lines in this movie. Again, beautifully written. I want to see if this dude's got a short story or something somewhere, because this feels like a novelist becoming a director. It doesn't feel like a director trying to write something really well. Yeah. (laughs) And, like... Just, like, because the dialogue itself is so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And, like, I I honestly can't... Because they they do this back and forth, where I think Big Brother is command control and Little Brother is lunar base, if I'm remembering right. They do this cute little back and forth where they have code names for each other. And then the mom and dad have their first, like, kind of blowout fight in the movie. And the little brother picks up the walkie and says he's picking up hostile transmissions. (sighs) 
It's heartbreaking. Like, what an adorable way of, like, putting that into a child's perspective. And then, like, he asks if their dad is going to leave because the neighbor's parents fought all the time and and their dad left. Yeah, Yeah, and I was like, that is just crushing. No, it's devastating. You know, I come from a... A divorced household. My parents split up when I was 15, so it's not, you know, like I was eight or anything like that. But at 15, it wasn't easy. I can't imagine what it would be like at eight. At 15, it was in the middle of all my testosterone flying <laughs> into my body. It turned me into a violent psychopath for about 10 years. <laughs> no, seeing that at home is, is, is terrifying. Seeing the fights where glasses get broken and people are screaming and the phone gets ripped out of the wall and somebody drives off angry and drunk, you know? (laughs) It's not good for anybody's emotional development. But you can put it in a film and a certain amount of your audience is going to relate because it feels real. Like, Mm -hmm. they didn't push it to the point where it's like, Dad's the bad guy. Like, the, the parents never felt like the bad guy they felt like flawed parents mm, that were just desperately like struggling to stay afloat like you have all these like really incredibly tense moments too where you see the things they've had to give up like they gave up the security alarm because they couldn't afford it anymore and then they reinstall it to try to keep their family safe when they think somebody's been breaking in yeah and then the dad suggests maybe we give up the cable instead and then um the mom, like another point when they're fighting later, makes a snarky comment when they're talking about sending their son to therapy because they think maybe their son's been doing all these antics. Mm-hmm. And the dad's kind of like, we can't afford that. And she's like, our son's not a cable bill, you know? Ooh. So, like, you have, like, these, like, tense moments where, like, you can tell, like, the root of, like, their arguing mm-hmm. and their fighting is just legitimately, like, the struggle of trying to stay afloat. Yeah, it's not the mopey older emo brother that we had in uh, The Darkness. You know, where he was like angsty and sitting on a couch and looking like the American History X kid. The Darkness had an older sister. I thought it had an older brother. Mm-mm. There was they had like a, a boyfriend. The, one of our recent two <laughs> had an angsty, you know, shaved head, you know, black hoodie wearing. Oh, that was uh, cute. Yeah, exactly. So it doesn't matter. The one where they try to bring their parents back from the dead. Yep, that yeah. one. <laughs> That's not the I liked, name of it. But. I liked that kid, though. He yeah, reminded no, me of I liked you. him. <laughs> well, that's pretty much what I was, you know, in the middle of my parents' divorce when I was 15. It's like, I'm going to buy all the M&M t-shirts and a trench coat and try to beat people up kid. in the parking lot of my high school. <laughs> oh, that's funny. But yeah, no, like, I... Shade 45. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, all those moments in this movie, like, I'm not a writer, so, like, I... I don't, I guess, quite really understand, like, at what point you want to pace these moments into a story, but, like, so effectively, like, build, like, the tension throughout the story that you don't even need to see the monster. Like, you see this breakdown of this family's will. And that's what bugs me about the negative reviews of the movie, is they were saying that it was hack. And this does not feel like a hack horror film. We do a podcast, uh, this podcast, where we review things that are mainly floated on hack. To me, this felt like a a horror film that wanted to be a drama, which Mm -hmm. is like an attempt that I I really like because it's taking the genre seriously. Mm -hmm. I think the problem that this film has when it comes to critics is you wind up with people who are expecting to see a drama or an alien film where they've got fucking 
Battlescar Galactica spaceships and shit. It doesn't make any goddamn sense, and I don't know how it arouses anybody. But you know, like, or like something like signs yeah. where you actually have to fight the aliens, yeah. or alien where you have to fight the aliens. But in peop- this movie, you don't physically yeah. fight them. People looking for a drama like Dark Skies, or people looking for a we need to battle the alien race, are not gonna appreciate a a slower. The moment for me where I realized what he was trying to do came early on with the bird scene. Mm-hmm. If you remember the bird scene, um, they're built on a magnetic wave or some shit like that. And all the birds, like like three flocks of birds, suicide themselves into the side of the house. Which is hilarious because the kids start picking up the birds. It's, it's goofy. Jumping on the trampoline with the birds exactly. on the trampoline. But... To me, that was a direct homage to Hitchcock's The Birds. Hitchcock is the king of, or I guess was, technically still is, nobody's done it better before or since, but of tension, of dragging. Just stay with me, I'm Mm -hmm. telling you a story. I'm here, I'm telling you a story. You thought that was going to be a jump scare? Nope. Still telling you the story. Boom. <laughs> I think once we the got, parents have lost their minds. We're boarding up the house. We're getting guns. We're fucking getting a, a shepherd. Here's the action, and now I'm gonna break your heart, and I'm gonna leave you with all the tension you felt. It felt Hitchcock-esque mm-hmm. to me. So that's what I think of you, Scott. If you find this, I'm not mad at you. I'm comparing you to fucking Alfred Hitchcock for this movie. I don't know how you wound up on my show either. <laughs> I, I think once we got going, I really liked the pacing of it. My only complaint with this movie, and maybe um, J.K. Simmons, Simmons' character kind of, I guess, helps resolve some of my feelings about it, but I, I think my problem with this movie is... We got going very suddenly, and then we were just going. Like, we got to know the family. Um, like, it came on too quick, and yeah. then it slowed right back down and got well, way too heavy. No, not even that it slowed back down. Like, we got to know the family, so that was nice. We got the setup where I got to know the characters and really liked the characters, so that was nice. But then, like, we went from, like, one potential animal breaking into the kitchen to, like, building intricate designs in the kitchen that have candles lit that are spinning, so there's designs on the ceiling. Like, it very quickly escalated, and I felt like we never really got a moment to be like, hey... Is it, is it not? Well, Yeah. yeah, that too, but also, like, why specifically this family and, like what the intention is and kind of what brought this moment on and why did they go from being completely invisible to suddenly like we want you to know we're here like why would they Mm -hmm. be so aggressive about letting the family know that they existed so like once we got going i was fine with it but it just felt like we went from like nothing has ever happened to us to suddenly we're dead in the middle of it and that's exactly why i like the introduction of the alien expert edward or edwin pollard um silly side note uh, definitely modeled after an older Hunter S. Thompson, <laughs> for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, you p- pick up a picture of Hunter when he's, like, almost when he killed himself with his big yellow glasses on, and he looks exactly like that. He has the same mannerism. But speaking of that scene in particularly, because I, I think that does alleviate a lot of the tension, it's a very interesting scene in that, you don't know what's happening. Everything's fucking confusing. Here's your moment of clarity. It's brought to you in a moment of humor where you slowly stop laughing as yeah. you start relating with 
the husband and mother dynamic here mm-hmm. because he's like, oh, I guess you know, yeah, they're kooky. Saw lights yeah, in you the saw sky. Li- we guess you saw lights in the sky, and you're like, oh, he's trashing all these dumb fucks, and then it starts slowly as you're still yeah. laughing, walking you down beat by beat to this is your exact situation. Yeah. You don't know why they chose you. You don't know who they are. And I think this right here in particular is why, to an extent, I'm willing to forgive this. I do wish. Maybe we hadn't jumped so suddenly into the aliens basically announcing their presence, but this right here, like, I jotted it after he said it, so it's not word for word, but, like, the most poignant throwaway line in the movie for me, um, he, he's like, you know, the family's like, you know, why us? What's happening? Like, why did they pick us? How do we get rid of them? What's going on? And he says something to the effect of, there's nothing special about you. I'm sorry you were expecting a different answer. Mm-hmm. What makes a lab rat so special to a scientist? Jesus. And I, fuck. Which holds so much weight because then it's like, oh, they're just experimenting on yeah, us. You're I, just here in the mousetrap with yeah, the rest of like us. Like, you're literally just the lab rat <laughs> that got picked out of the pile today. Yep. And, like, I, that's such a... And he says it in kind of a throwaway way, but such a poignant line for the movie because it's like, there's no reason they picked you at all. You're like not special. Yeah. There's nothing special about your son. There's nothing special about you. You were available. They yeah. were in the area. Yeah. And, like, I... It does kind of make you forgive, like, the lack of explanation for how we got to this moment. It's it, um, the concept that there is beings out there in the universe that just spontaneously, like... Any, many, miny, mo, you're it today. That's you, bitch. You yeah. Know, today you walk in front of the train. Today you met the serial rapist in the bathroom. Like, it, you weren't special. You were available. You were there. Traumatic things happen to good people every day. If they didn't, then they wouldn't be traumatic. Mm-hmm. You know? And I, I wonder from a casting perspective if using the one big name in the film and that role was on purpose. You know, people are going to relate to him and be like, oh, that's the dude from Spider-Man, and he's going to make them laugh, and then he's going to make them really fucking mm. think. <laughs> yeah, and, like, really cool character. And I guess I'm going to drop this here just because his scenes in particular were really pretty. Really pretty movie. Yeah, beautifully <laughs> done. Beautifully written. I, 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 there's not going to be Brett's angry flip out at any point, so we can have Kristen's pretty film. <laughs> I like, too, um, which was a thing that we noticed, there's a fake-out where the mom has a nightmare and then she wakes up and we realize it's not actually a nightmare. She was legit, like, doing a showing for a house. Well, that's why I think it's not a hackney film. Mm -hmm. You explain the scene so that, yeah. So, um, the mother, who for a huge chunk of the movie is the breadwinner, like, the dad gets a job later in the movie, which is kind of a cool little moment because... The dad lies to the mom about not getting the first job that he applies mm-hmm. for, and she's very angry at him, and they kind of have a fight, because she's like, you you can't hide shit from me. And then she goes on to do a showing for a house, because she's a realtor, and has a freak-out moment, because one of the aliens kind of possess her, I guess, and starts smashing her head into the window. Yeah. And, uh does the whole wakes up because it's a dream and we discover it was not a dream. That was real world. Yeah, and her boss calls her and basically is like, you're going to take some time off. And she's like, I can't afford to take time off. And then she lies to her husband about it. Yeah. So no, it's cool to see. She tells what, him the truth she later. She tells him like right as he gets his new job. Well, they have the celebration yeah. moment and then she, she tells him about the incident later. But we have the switch moment where both characters kind of understand like I'm just trying to protect you. Yeah. So that's a cool moment. But also... 
fake out dream sequence. That's why, it's why I think this film isn't hackney. Like, it would be hackney if she beats her head and then like, ah, 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 and then she goes back and it's the same people in the same house. And she's like, oh, no, I don't want to you know, have a nervous breakdown. But in reality, what you've done there is you've established her as a quote-unquote mentally unstable person in front of strangers. Mm -hmm. Now she's lost her job. Again, you're creating elements of the outside world inside of your film. I don't know the boss. I don't know those people she beat her head up against. It could have worked in a dream sequence. But you tricked us because we know the dream sequence into going, oh shit. (laughs) And how subtly they transition it too. Like she gets up out of the bed in the very stereotypical, I just woke up from a bad dream attire. Mm. She's got... Like, the subtle, like, oh, I slept in my makeup look. She's got a t-shirt on and underwear and no pants or whatever. So it believably looks like she just woke up from a dream. She goes into the bathroom and has this weird pause moment where she's staring at herself in the mirror. And she's kind of very intently focusing on her eyes. And, like, as an audience member, because we're so used to actresses waking up from a dead sleep, perfectly made up. We're not innately thinking about the fact that she's weirded out by the fact that she's still got makeup on like i was like looking for like is there something in her pupils what's going on And what i was looking for was the other hackney trope of dream within a dream Mm -hmm. instead of dream within a wake up within a god bless you scott please come on my podcast bring tommy with so (laughs) so you have this cool moment where she's looking at herself in the mirror very confused and as an audience member we're not really quite sure why and then she gets a phone call um, or it's a voicemail or something, I can't remember, but there's something on her phone that kind of is like, oh, hey, like, what the hell happened? Or, yeah, her boss calls, and that's when she gets temporarily kind of let go of. Um, and she's like, what? What's going on? Looks down at the time, and it's like 3 in the afternoon, and you're, then you realize she was like, why did I sleep with my makeup on? Like, yeah. what's going on? And, like, this the subtle... the day. <laughs> yeah, like, this subtle, like, play of, like, kind of tricking the audience into she was really asleep at night having a dream and it's like no she went to bed in the middle of the day and just lost hours of her mm-hmm. day like how subtly that was done was like perfect it was gorgeous people are like it's a hack effect and it's like it's not it, it's not <laughs> it's brilliant it's unique it's fresh he took all your tropes flipped them on their ass and you you forgot and i like too um when she hears the little boy talking to someone she goes into the bedroom to check on the little boy sees the alien figure hovering over the bed and in most movies like this you flip on the light and the figure is gone she flips on the light and the figure and her son are both gone boom yeah so she has this whole moment of like oh my god that wasn't fake something was in here and it took yeah. my son and it happens so close to her nervous breakdown um that you don't know if she's skipped time again. Like, mm-hmm. this this fucks with the narration quite a bit. Like, we've talked about that a lot on the show, more particularly in our, our writing-type shows, but about the unreliable narrator. In this film, you don't know until, like, legitimately the last little bit of the movie, and maybe even you could have an argument where you don't know at all, that it's an actual alien yeah. invasion. Like, this might just be a nervous breakdown as a family unit. <laughs> yeah, because the older brother has, like, this, like, seizure-esque episode and has to go to the hospital, and they're told he's covered in bruises. The younger brother's neighbors bring... Like, the younger brother's at, like, a pool party, and the neighbors bring the younger brother home because he's covered in bruises. And then 
the dad because he thinks um, the older brother's son or the, the, the older brother's the friend, kid, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ratface has been like abusing his son. He, an adult man, goes to attack a teenage child yep. out of rage. So you do have this moment where gets in a fight with the dad. Yeah, you have this moment <laughs> where the neighborhood thinks these two people are beating their children, and yep. you're kind of like, are they? What's going on here? <laughs> yeah, and do you really know by the end? Is the extension of the walkie-talkie at the end of the film an extension of um, Sammy's trauma? You know, is he dreaming that his brother is talking to him from this box or not? I do think it's meant to legit be an alien movie. I, I think it is legit meant yeah. to be, but again, I'd like to read the script. Yeah. How was it intended? I mean, he directed it, so it's probably exactly how he intended yeah. it. But I, I do think if it had been done a little bit differently, you could definitely, the way the story was set up, leave it very open to that, that the family is snapped under the pressure of not being able to financially keep up. The parents are beating the children, the... Uh, older brother disappeared because maybe the parents did away with him. Like, if we had tweaked a few story concepts, we could have definitely had this just be all in the parents' head, and that yeah, might have it, been a cool movie, it, too. And it would have been like Inception. Was the top falling over? Yeah. <laughs> and it, what I mean, level of the dream are we at? What is actual reality? I love unreliable narrators. <laughs> they, they, they constantly keep you guessing. <laughs> And it would have been a cool concept. I do, like I said, legit think this was just an alien movie, but there was definitely some room to play, and it was like successfully done in a way that had you at moments being like, what happened? Well, I don't feel like he did it in an upsetting fashion either, you know? Like, I don't I don't feel like he exploited... <laughs> well, exactly. Like, I don't feel like I got tricked. Um, I don't feel like I felt when we watched the one with the little American History X kid... You know, where I felt like they were exploiting, um, or not that one, the darkness, yeah. where I felt like they were exploiting a mental disorder for oh, the yeah. sake of pushing, you know, that a film. Um, in this one, they use it as an actual option, you know, yeah. and they, they explore it for almost a solid hour. You watch these people break down. Are they seeing what they're seeing? My favorite line, if you're going to bust out lines from our quote sheet over here. <laughs> was uh, the wife says, we're not the people who believe in crazy things. And the husband responds, maybe they're not the crazy ones. Yeah. And like, no, I think it was the other way around. I think the dad said that and the mom responded. Maybe. But. Women always come with the knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And like, I, I think part of the reason too, even if this had been like a little more ridiculous and a little more over the top, I would be willing to forgive any mistake this mistakes this movie made like they they have a scene where the kid's eyes are missing i'm like that's Shitty a bit CGI. cheesy yeah. yeah that was a bit cheesy and i didn't really care for that and like i said the pacing up front was a little off for me and there were moments where i was like eh but like it's it didn't lose me no at it didn't any lose point. me no it didn't lose me at all and i think the reason for that is because there's so much here that's so, like, even though aliens are such a, like, out there concept, there's so much here that's, like, relatable for the average person that, like, you connect with this family in a way that, like, the family in the darkness, for instance, you just, you're like, who are these people? Yeah. And, like, in this I've movie, met some shitty human beings, but the people from the darkness <laughs> are the shittiest of parents. <laughs> in this movie, there's so much to pick from that everyone out there has felt at least one of these things like brett and i have intimately felt like financial struggles when we first yeah. moved to montana and like being stressed over like dear god 
Mm-hmm. How are we going to pay for the groceries next week? You know, and I've like, been abused. You've been abused by you know either parents or lovers or etc. You know, we've felt connections to siblings from a either younger to older or older to younger perspective. You're able to feel this film at so many different levels. Mm-hmm. And like I, like even if you're not from a broken family, like my parents never divorced or anything like that. Um, I don't know how you wound up listening to this writing show. <laughs> <laughs> even if you're not from a broken family, you still have that idea of like when a family is going through a hard time, the struggle of like, are we going to call it a day and quit? Or are we going to come together in the end and work this out? And like in the end of this movie, like it's such a bizarre way of doing it. They board up the windows and they get a dog and they get guns and like, um, it's very, what do you need? And Remington eight, (laughs) seven, line it up. Yeah, it's very extreme, but there is this whole, like this family is like, we won't be torn apart. We're going to come together in this, like, moment of struggle and kind of reminiscing on these happier times Mm -hmm. and so like I think any anyone even if you didn't come from a broken home can kind of relate to like every family goes through struggles and like how far are you willing to go to survive those struggles together or do you call it quits and go your separate ways so like there's just I don't know like I feel like something here for everyone like there's yeah the financial aspect, the struggles within the family, the father figure, like, feeling the need to take care of his family, which I, I think being is... being unable. Yeah, and yeah. I feel like that's a relatable concept for most adult men, like, at some point. It's a thing men don't like to talk about. I could do an entire fucking show on it. <laughs> Kristen's seen it in me. I've made less money than Kristen and insisted at one point in our relationship to paying more. <laughs> it's like, I've got it. I will fucking, like die but you're moving in with me i will cover the the, the 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 burden of the rent the burden of the bills i'll kill myself trying to pay for the fucking groceries but i you know this is us Gotta provide yeah and it, 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 i'm sorry i had a few it very quickly <laughs> while i you know celebrated my off work tenements um but you had a note that i i I don't want it to come off as sexist. I don't think that women can't do the job. I was raised by a lineage of military men um, who, if you want to, you can, but you shouldn't have to, you know. (laughs) Grandpa was raised by a war veteran. Grandpa was a war veteran. My dad was a war veteran. Here's me. I said, fuck all of that got out at four (laughs) i in contrast grew up with a lot of very strong women so like brett and i like have varying opinions on that but i do think it's like i said i don't want to kick women out of the workplace i just wanted to make that very clear i believe in women in the workplace but i want it to be Kristen's decision to go to work i would prefer that everything comes off of my back you know, that needs to happen. Yeah, and even in families where the woman is more successful, I, I feel like it's still kind of a traditional value that's taught to most young men where yeah. you're expected to be the provider. So even if you don't necessarily end up being the provider, I feel like a lot of men do feel that pressure to provide. So yeah. I, I think it's that's... It's Bill Burr's classic joke about Nia when when he's talking about her and he's like, imagine if you made as much money as I made, what would I bring to the relationship? <laughs> <laughs> You're allowed to have the kid. <laughs> you do all the cleaning. I can't fucking make any money. You're making more money to me. You know? 
at least give me this, you know. I'm I'm supposed to be the caveman. Let me go fucking spear that, you know, jaguar or whatever you spear. Probably an elk. I don't think you're going to go spear a jaguar. I was thinking about cavemen. I don't know what cavemen fought. I don't care. I'm drinking. All right. Yeah, and then um, from a more childlike perspective, which we talked about broken families and stuff already, but like fears in general, whether it's your family falling apart or literal boogeymen in the closet, like we introduced this concept of the Sandman Mm -hmm. and the youngest boy doesn't ever really quite grasp that it's an alien visiting their home. He forever thinks it's just the boogeyman in the closet. Yeah, the Sandman's a classic character, but the Sandman's supposed to bring sleep, so he took a, a fairy tale trope and flipped it on its head. I think there are some sinister versions well, of the Sandman. probably the German version, the, the fucking original. Aren't they the ones who come, came up with uh, Krampus? Little, yeah, Krampus, <laughs> Little Mermaid gets out of the ocean, and then, you know, her body's can't support her legs so she bleeds to death on the beach trying to meet her lover like all of those happy hilarious 1910s <laughs> I don't think she <laughs> dies on the beach I think she gets turned into the seaweed thing and just shrivels up and that's how she spends yeah, her life she gets legs but they're weak and she can't walk on them is a part of the story yeah. that's actually in the cartoon too I mean she yeah well she, she just, doesn't turn wobbly. to seam foam shortly thereafter <laughs> <laughs> um and, and there's that really heartbreaking line, too, where you kind of have the selfish or selflessness of a child, too, where the uh, younger brother, it's Sammy, right? Sammy's Sammy. the younger one, yeah. yeah. Sammy um, tells his mom, maybe if I just gave him my eyes, he'd leave me alone or leave us alone because the older brother was like messing with him and told him the Sandman was there to steal his eyes. So he's like, maybe if I just gave him my eyes, he'd go away and leave us alone. And like, the mom, like, has this, like, great response of, like, the Sandman is never satisfied. You can't give him what he yeah. wants because he'll take he'll and take, take and take. Yeah. yeah. So I, Which I just... is also a reversal of the giving tree. Oh, that's sad. Especially the little boy was the mother, Sandman. <laughs> from a mother to a son. Again, the writing is fucking untested. I, I, I like that the mother doesn't just go, you're an idiot. It's not the Sandman. There's an yeah. alien. I'm trying to keep you safe. Stop being a dummy. Like, the mom's Get just Get your like, shit together, son. Yeah, the mom. We're fighting extraterrestrial beings. <laughs> we have not contacted the CIA. These are completely, like, unrequented fucking things that I'm telling you right now. <laughs> the mom has this moment where she relates to him on that level. She's like, the Sandman doesn't just stop. He yeah. just takes, so... She's like, we gotta be brave and we gotta stand up to the Sandman. So I like that. Become a little log, little man. <laughs> well, Given Trey is such a sad book. <laughs> um, and then, too, like his comparison of fireworks to looking like ice cream. Like such an adorable child. I didn't moment. remember that one. Yeah, like they're sitting at the kitchen table and it's the 4th of July and they're, and they're watching. watching it on the that's the part I remembered mm-hmm. was that they were watching it on the fucking television yeah. set because they just needed a sense of normalcy yeah. which will forever remind me of the time that we left a party to come home and drink and watch the new year <laughs> ring in and then the new year never came on the TV and I got like violently so angry frustrated. I've been watching it on the TV no. since I was fucking like a kid <laughs> The funny thing about that, yeah, they do the countdown and they don't show the ball or the We used to watch a Kathy Griffin talking to that yeah. gay silver-haired fox, fucking Alex Cooper. No, Not I'm Alice just... Cooper, Alex Cooper. Anderson Cooper. Anderson Cooper. I knew it was an A Cooper. <laughs> but yeah, they cut away and don't show the ball drop and Brett's system. like, 
raging against the ball. I was like, you didn't even kiss me. <laughs> it's midnight. Fuck midnight! I didn't get to see my gay dude, my lesbian friend, rant for four hours. <laughs> yeah, it's an adorable moment where he's like, yeah, the fireworks, because they're trying to hold on to some happiness. Like, oh, the fireworks look like ice cream. Yeah. And then when the aliens come, and the older brother's like, sucked into the house that the mom was doing as the viewing so fucking shining-esque oh yeah for sure like definitely a bit of a tribute there but like i was for it no there there's a couple of tributes again i i i, I don't hate an homage i hate a film for the sake of homage which was my problem with the halloween movie that we watched where spoiler alert i want to talk about it on friday um Brett was not a fan. I love Michael Myers. I love every Halloween film. Almost every Halloween film. Fuck the third one with the fucking pumpkin person that didn't have Michael Myers in it. Michael Myers is my favorite horror character. I don't need the homages every ten seconds, you filthy cunt. <laughs> but that's not, what this, <laughs> that's not what this movie's about. Well, I'll save it for Friday. I'm <laughs> added to the list. But yeah, there's like, uh, and this is the one of the only other parts that really kind of bothered me a little bit. It was obvious from the get-go, if you're paying attention, that the older brother was going to be who the aliens took. Yeah. That was... Because he's protecting his brother from everything. And like, from the scary the, story, from the parents, from the stress. Yeah, and at the very beginning, he up front says, I won't let him take you, I'll protect you. Um, so it's very obvious that's not a surprise that the older brother goes, and that um, doesn't bother me per se. Like, they, they did the due diligence of dropping breadcrumbs maybe a little too obviously, but they did it. Um, what bothers me is, like, we go from this super cool scene of the older brother, like, going through the house that the mom did the viewing in because the older brother broke into that house and wants to smoke pot, pot yeah. and kiss a girl. Yeah, <laughs> smoked pot. That kid looked absolutely high as fuck. <laughs> Yeah, he did know like If I walked in on my son, I'd be like, oh, he, he smoked a lot of pot. <laughs> but we have this cool moment where he goes back to that house and, like, the dad has killed the mom. The dad kills himself. He's following his brother around the house and can't catch him. And then his friend and the girl he's got a crush on are both sitting on the bed and kind of give him this weird, yeah. like, Shining-esque twin, uh, like, come sit and watch it with us moment. <laughs> and, like, it's all so creepy and so cool and so beautifully shot. And then when we flash back into the present, mom and dad are standing together with their arm around Sammy, and they've let their oldest son, for whatever reason, walk down the hall towards these aliens. And the last moment we get of him is the parents just being like, Jesse? And then the aliens suck him away. I'm like, why didn't you strap him to the bed? Yeah, who's? <laughs> it's the father's move in that moment should have been like, Jesse, run down the hallway. Throw your son back, run into the arms of the aliens, make the dad the sacrifice. But it's more poignant, maybe, to have the older brother as the sacrifice for the sake of the younger brother. Because as an older brother who is traumatized, that's naturally what you do. You know, my dad was a drinker. Uh, knock, knock, who's there? The reason that I've fucking downed three of these in the past 45 minutes or such. Um, my 
I don't want to say Ben had like a you know happy-go-lucky fucking life, you know, by any means. Like he he struggled where he had to struggle, but when Dad went mad, I was there. Like Ben didn't have the blows, you know, didn't have the scream fucking fests. I stood up for him, and there was nobody there standing up for me. So I think organically, as an older brother it's more poignant to have the older brother sacrifice yeah. himself to this trauma. For sure. And I'm not against that part. Cause again, if the older brother isn't the one who ends up being the sacrifice, you don't have that maybe unnecessary, but neat moment at the end where we hear his voice over the walkie. Like, I think we could have ended with them just pinning his photo to the wall and yeah. called it a day. Um, but if we were going to have that moment of he's still out there, uh, Closing on the walkie shot was kind of cool. And, of course, the brother has to be the sacrifice for us to come back around to the walkie. Um, I just don't like the idea that the whole premise was stick together and keep each other safe. And then they stood together at one end of the hall and let him walk towards the aliens yeah. without somebody like... He was a child physically trying to drag him down, you know? <laughs> well, the, the, the alternative is Dad with a shotgun just dumping rounds down that hallway until credits roll and us <laughs> going, what the fuck was that? Well, I, I stand by one of my ideas, which is the move right now is those are the cops and the dad picks up the gun and just starts blasting down the hallway, realizes he's just killed like three no. police officers and it was all about mental illness. But in America, it's really hard to discuss mental <laughs> illness. Um, no. I mean, I, I liked it overall, though. I'm I not... loved this fucking movie. I'm not taking anything away from Scott Simmons. Was that his name? No. Uh, Scott... Stewart, I believe. Stewart. Not taking anything at all away from Scott Stewart. Hands down, my favorite director-writer of the Two Star Tuesdays. You're right. Maybe we found one that beat Stitches. Oh, that's a bold statement. It's possible. I have to rewatch Stitches. Stitches is terrible. I, Stitches is awesome. I can't with you it's and Stitches. It's a British humor horror film. <laughs> it's so bad. Um, but yeah, overall, I would give it, I would say, a solid 70. What were our initial ratings? Um, so the critics gave it a 41, the audience gave it a 49. I would say 70 or 75. I'm, I'm going to dose you up by an extra 10 points. I'd give it an 85, no, 80 to 85. I, I, I loved the way it was shot. I loved the way it was written. There were some very minor paces that, like, you could have cut a second or two from here, or maybe ten seconds from there. Um, tweaked little things, but I thought it was brilliantly acted, beautifully shot. The writing, bar none, the best in the two-star category, you know? Like, I, I, I'd give this an 85. I'd watch it again. Like, I don't want to watch it again right now, but, like, a year from now, if it popped back up, do you remember Dark Skies? Like, I'd pop it back up. <laughs> and be like, it, yeah, I liked this one. It was a good one. Solid B effort. Yeah, maybe I'd go 75 to 80. I wouldn't go 85, but maybe 75 to 80. That's pretty good. I haven't gone 95 to 100 in forever. I don't well, know if I ever I don't have, know that but... two stars will ever qualify for that. <laughs> for me, that's more like the movies we really yeah, love. But so. if it was in theater, I would watch it. And it's on your Netflix. So if you have Netflix, watch it. It's, it, 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 it's really enjoyable. Um, cuddle up. Make yourself some chicken wings. Have a good goddamn time. But... 
Uh, Kristen and I have to scoot off here because we've got turkey in a crock pot, which has not helped my um, relaxation. My, my drink, all I can think about is I'm going to tasty dinner. drink a bottle of wine with my beautiful wife and listen to a lot of music and eat a tasty dinner, which is going to be um, a crock pot turkey roast. Uh, mixed with uh, macaroni and cheese smoked and gouda macaroni and cheese. smoked gouda. I don't know what that means. Gouda's Mac a cheese. Mac gouda. Gouda's a cheese. I don't know what. I don't you don't know what gouda is? No, but I'm gonna learn today. You're gonna today. have some smoked. I'm gouda. learn today <laughs> and uh, po uh, not potato chips. Fucking <laughs> mashed potatoes. Homemade mashed potatoes. <laughs> <coughs> so we're gonna go do all of that. Um, got anything else? Uh, we didn't do our plugs. Go for them. Uh, <coughs> you dying on me? You got the Rona? <coughs> no, the Rona's... <coughs> it's a thing of the past. <laughs> so, um, <coughs> you can hit us up on Facebook.com slash Productions. Find us on Instagram at Productions, Twitter at NightmareBoxPro. Uh, the YouTube is YouTube.com slash Productions. The new movie will hopefully be up very, very soon. God damn right. It is being fine-tuned as we speak yeah, as we or speak. as you listen not as we speak we're doing <laughs> yeah. this as we speak <laughs> um yeah there's the website uh the nightmarebox.blog uh we've got photos brett's stories are on there we've got the videos eventually brett's book will be on there um don't even bother buying it at this point. <laughs> it's dead but if you want it you can go visit us at your email at uh, nightmareboxproductions at gmail and it's called the madman diaries collection we'll figure out how you can send me ten dollars I'll send it to you anywhere in the world I don't care if it costs me thirty dollars to get it there I'll send it I'll take the twenty dollar hit to give you this book because it's not that good <laughs> oh, <that's true. laughs> um, but yeah uh, thanks for listening guys rate share review comment post all that good shit yeah love you sweetheart love you and I love you guys and we will talk to you on Friday, where I'm going to have a rant about the Halloween movie, because it thoroughly upset me. <laughs> but until then, don't focus on the Rona. Don't focus on the president. Just try really, really hard to alleviate all of the pain in your head, shoulders, knees and toes, knees and toes, leg, oh my God, my lower back.